all of you wonderful listeners, we are back with another episode of the Backseat Directors Podcast, a show dedicated to, to the review, discussion, and celebration of all things movies. I'm your host, Andre Hutchins, and I'll be joined in just a minute by my co-host, Ryan Nevin, who is the owner and operator of the movie blog, Life of Films. This is episode 98, and on today's show, Ryan and I are taking things a little bit slower. We don't have any news to report on or new movies to review, but what we do have is two weeks worth of our recently watched list. Ryan has been working his way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, while I have powered through some other famous series, namely the Daniel Craig 007 films and the Hunger Games series. Hunger Games! May the odds ever be in your favor. As always, thank you for downloading today's episode and for supporting the podcast. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you enjoy listening to the show, share the love. Let everyone know about us. Tell your family and friends. And if you haven't reviewed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you are listening to. I'd love to hear from each of you what you think about the podcast and just uh, your overall thoughts of the show. You can find the Backseat Directors Podcast on every major podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can follow us on social media, or you can just go to our website. It's at backseatdirectors.com. If you have any other comments or questions, go ahead and reach out to me directly via email. You can reach me at andre at backseatdirectors.com. Again, that's andre, A-N-D-R-E, at backseatdirectors.com. Now on to the show. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, dude, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. Kind of feels like we're actually coming uh, coming up on the end of our coronavirus quarantines. Um, at least the governor here in the state of Utah, where I live, uh, it's expected that everything will open up May first. So he's already given like the green light for like restaurants, gyms, and other you know what were considered non essential businesses uh, to open back up. So. So yeah, that's yeah. mad. That's, we're nowhere near that here in the UK. I think we've still got a little while left to go, which is crazy. It's it, that, honestly crazy to me. Um, and uh, did you hear, dude? I just heard this report. I, this was just like a day ago that I guess Sweden, Sweden has not, they have not shut down like businesses. They haven't in, enforced mandatory quarantines. Everything is kind of like business as normal. And they have like one of the lowest um, coronavirus infection rate in the entire world. I, I, have you? I don't know if you've heard of this, but I just I just saw this on the news yesterday, man. It's fascinating. It is mad. It's mad. I, I I can't get my head around why some countries are getting it worse than others, and yeah, and stuff like that. And when they're not going into quarantine, how it's not traveling as fast when there's countries that are in quarantine and still traveling really fast. I can't get my head around. It. It's really weird. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't get it either. Um, but I, I'm sure everybody's had enough talk of coronavirus and quarantine. Everybody's experiencing the same thing that's listening to this podcast anyway. So we're not going to dwell on that too much. But Ryan, happy belated birthday, my friend. Thank you. Oh yeah. Yep. Twenty nine yesterday. Twelve exactly twelve months away from a big three zero. <laughs> but uh, cheers. Well, I've already I've already experienced the three zero, and that was a few years ago. So uh, enjoy your twenties, man, while they still last. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to wish you happy birthday. How was your birthday in uh, in quarantine? Boring. I'm not very usually. I'm not. Uh, to be fair, I'm not massively big on um on like celebrating my birthdays and stuff. I'm one of those people that kind of 
just not really too bothered about the attention. Yeah. But I do like I do have like my favorite places like in the UK. So any UK listeners will know but about this is uh is Nando's. Like it's like one of my favorite kind of food places to go to, and I always go on my birthday. So like the first year, the first year in a long time that I've not been to Nando's for like my birthday. I think I've gone like every year since I was like twelve. So really, it, I love it. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. too I bad, really, man. Really, I love that's it too bad. So it's kind of. So that sucks. That's kind what, of like what, what is Nando's? Fill, fill us in on what Nando's is, since uh, most of our just, listeners probably just, haven't been there. <laughs> you must have heard of um, Perry Perry Chicken. Have you heard of like? Per- yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Perry Perry Chicken is uh, it's a Jamaican dish, isn't it? No, that's jerk chicken. Perry Perry is uh, Portuguese. It's oh, a Portuguese. Okay, dish. okay. Yeah, I was thinking of something else. I don't know if I've actually had Perry Perry Chicken. Oh, well, you're missing out. So if you ever come to the UK, then go to Nando's because it's kind of like a sauce. Like Nando's didn't invent the sauce similar to kind of like KFC didn't invite, invent like fried chicken. Right. But it's um, but it's just kind of like mastered it. Huh. Um, and it's just a really good place to go to. Like it's really massive in the UK. It's uh, like you always have to like queue to get in there. It's always always really busy. It's like just like good food as well. It's not like junk food. It's like grilled grilled chicken and and stuff like that. And it's just it's just really tasty. It's It's really like... It's really big here. It's hard to say why, but it's just super tasty, man. Oh, that's and cool. Like, I think it's, that's cool. I think it's because it's kind of borderline like healthy for you. Don't get me wrong. It's not. It's not like super <laughs> healthy for you. It's not. It's, but the, it's the best. The probably, best tasting food isn't the most healthy anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I missed that. So that was a bit disappointing. But um, I got like a new setup for my um from for from my girlfriend for kind of like watching films. Got like a new sound bar and stuff. Cool. Um, so that's so that's pretty exciting. That's great, man. That's great. Dude, sound, until someone like really like invests in like a decent sound system, like it changes the entire experience of watching a movie at home. It really does. I think, I think when we go to the movie theaters, we often take it for granted just because how incredible of a sound experience it is. And you know, you don't really think about it when you're a movie theater because that's just how movie theaters are. But when you're at home and then you actually can at least attempt to replicate that experience in, in some form or fashion, um, it really, really enhances like home view, home movie viewing experience. It really does. Yeah, that, it's really cool. important. That's cool. Well, good, man. Well, happy birthday, dude. Happy birthday. Um, listeners, welcome back to the podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in again. Uh, even though you know, Ryan and I, you were, I was kind of telling you this uh, just the other day, but our you know, numbers have really dipped uh, since quarantine. And obviously, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I've talked to other podcasters and things like that who who um, said the same thing. I mean, our numbers have almost been cut, been cut in half in the last couple months from when we were recording before coronavirus broke out. Um, but I, I was contemplating even whether or not we were going to record an episode. And just cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> we're, we're hardly getting any engagement. Even when we're releasing like episodes that I thought would be really popular, like Avengers Endgame, especially around this time, we just celebrated the one year anniversary event of, of Avengers Endgame. Um, and I thought that was going to be like, Oh, this, 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 if anything is going to be kind of bona fide, um downloading listening experience it's gonna be adventures endgame well that's not the case it's actually one of the least downloaded episodes that we've had in the last couple months which is unfortunate but there are some of you still out there still listening still downloading so even though ryan and i were contemplating not doing this episode this one's for you guys who are still still here still downloading still listening so uh thanks for tuning in uh today's episode is going to be a little bit different ryan and i we we don't have like 
a specific single topic that we're going to talk about. Obviously, those of you who've been listening and tuning in since the beginning of the year when we've kind of did a refresh of Backseat Directors, we have uh, our beginning segment is always what we've watched recently. And so I thought because it's been two weeks since Ryan and I have recorded, two weeks is a long time and I've been watching a lot of movies. Uh, Ryan, I've not, I honestly, dude, I've given up on TV shows right now. Um, haven't really started any type of new series, uh, on Netflix or Hulu or anywhere. Uh, we've just been doing movies. And so in two weeks, dude, I've watched a lot of movies. So, and I know you've been working through your Marvel movie marathon. Um, but yeah, so today's episode, we're just going to talk about the movies we've watched. And since Ryan's kind of focused on, um, he's focused on getting through the MCU, I have other um, other movie marathons, like mini movie marathons that my wife and I have done, and uh, so we'll kind of go in segments. So, um, so I, I don't I don't want to spend all the time talking because I know I have a ton of movies, but I feel like let me get through. I'm going to start first, Ryan, and then you can go. But the ones I just want to mention are just these just single movies that we've watched in the last couple of weeks that. Um, I I want to mention them because the one they're kind of nostalgic. One was a new movie I'd never seen, and one was a Netflix movie that I have to tell people to avoid like the plague. Okay, <laughs> so so I'm gonna go ahead and start, and then um, after I get through these four movies, um, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Okay, man. All right, sounds, sounds good. good. Okay, so here I'll, I'm just gonna tell the, the the terrible movie that I saw. This was a movie that actually premiered at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. Um, but it, it's an, a Netflix original movie. It's called Horse Girl. Holy cow, man. Dude, this movie was awful from start to finish. Very bizarre, very weird. It's just kind of one of those... Um, it's it, it's kind of hard to describe. It's one of those movies that it, the character in the plot of the movie is portrayed to where you don't know what reality is. You know, in essence, that right. this person, the the experience that they're having in their life, they're having these like visions and kind of like these dreams, um, where they're starting to get disconnected from reality and they don't know what reality is. Um, but this this girl, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Look, this is all I'm gonna say. The movie's terrible. Don't watch it. It's not worth the time. <laughs> I, I I rarely give movies like. Like, okay, so on Backseat Directors, we don't rate movies, right? We recommend movies. That's what we're all about. But, like, um, I keep track of my movies on on Letterboxd. So I have a Letterboxd account. And so I just, all the movies that I, all the new movies that I watch, I, I keep track of them. And there you have to do a rating. And so I just give a rating just because whatever, it's part of the app. And I never give ones, okay? It's like, it's out of five. I gave a one out of five on this one, dude. One of the worst movies I've ever seen avoid it horse girl okay the next one um really funny um the proposal this is uh i I think a fairly a fairly well-liked rom-com you know with um sandra bullock and ryan reynolds have you seen this movie um no i've heard of it and i see it advertised a lot on tv and stuff but i've never gone around to watching it myself so this was before ryan reynolds ever became deadpool um i think I think he he was really getting his feet wet with kind of his comedic style within movies. Um, obviously, they're like I, I they're at least ten years apart in age, maybe more, maybe ten to fifteen years apart in age. And so I think that was another thing that was appealing. I mean, Sandra Bullock is a well known established actress, obviously, um, but it's a funny movie. It's a funny movie. If you haven't seen it, I mean, it's it's a rom com, so it, it's good. 
Um, the next movie that I watched uh, was oh this and this was a first, dude. So Taika Waititi, obviously Taika has he's been in the spotlight a lot recently, especially uh, winning his first Oscar for um, best adapted screenplay for Jojo Rabbit. You know, but he really kind of broke out on, on onto the scene uh, with Thor Ragnarok. But before Thor Ragnarok, he had directed a, a, a handful of movies. And one of the movies I think most people that are familiar with his work would know is What We Do in the Shadows. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen What We Do in the Shadows. That, that is a brilliant film. Um, I I've, I've big was a big fan of Taika Waititi before um, he did Thor Ragnarok, so I was looking forward to watching that. Because mm. he was... Have you watched the TV series Flight of the Concords? Yes, Flight of the Concords is genius. And and it has... Yeah. It has... Um, what's his name? Uh, Jermaine? Um, Jermaine Clement. Yeah, he, he also stars in What We Do in the Shadows, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so does... Uh, so does um, Reese Darby, who plays Murray in the Flight of the oh, Concords. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, he's the, the werewolf. He's the werewolf. <laughs> Yeah, so Taika Waititi's guy is, um, I believe he kind of, he wrote uh, Flight of the Concords and directed quite a few episodes. So he's a big, yeah, he did a lot of uh, work with uh, with the, the band and making that, those, those two seasons. So I've always been a huge fan of, of him. So when he did Thor, it was it was exciting. And he's just, he's just to the bone a funny guy, right? He's just such a funny, funny person. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it, it was honestly a, a genius type a comedic movie um and and i had never seen it before lots of people i had recommended to me but i had never got around to watching it but it was on sale on itunes for 4.99 so i purchased the digital download and, and watched it with my wife and it was it was very funny so i mean if any of you have uh who are listening right now have not seen the movie what we do in the shadows is it's a mockumentary uh style movie where a, a film crew follows vamp uh vampires um down in New Zealand and it's just it's it's uh four vampires that live together in a flat they're all roommates and they film them when what what is it like uh, you know to be in the life of a vampire or whatever it's very funny very funny it's a bit gruesome you know i mean they they don't they don't hold back on you know the content of what it would be like to be a vampire you know so it shows them like going out and finding people and luring them into the house and like having dinner with them and then eating them eventually you know so it's, yeah. but it, dude it's it's really funny and it kind of um so I, you know i've never been to new zealand i don't know any new zealanders or kiwis i guess uh, is what they're known as as well um but I don't know if this is just the specific kind of comedy style from Taika Waititi and his friends, or if this is more uh, more of an indication of the type of comedy that is enjoyed throughout New Zealand. But whatever the case, I love their comedy style. I think it's brilliant. I think it's very creative. And honestly, like I, I, I've, especially since Jojo Rabbit, I'm looking forward to anything Taika Waititi does. So you know, and I know his his rendition of Thor is not my favorite Thor. But when you see his other movies and then you see Thor, it, you, you obviously know it's a Taika Waititi movie. I mean, it's just so apparent, his style of movie and, and whatnot. But, um, but I wanted to give a shout out to just uh, some, some guys that I follow on Twitter, the Salty Nerd Podcast. They've been talking about uh, the new FX uh, sh- uh, series of What We Do in the Shadows. So the, they, made, they turned it into a TV show. Also, that's they were talking about on their podcast. They're saying how much they love it, how funny it is. But I wanted to watch the movie before I, I check out the the TV show. So, have you seen any of the TV show, or you just seen the movie? No, I've not seen a TV show, but it's got um, it's got someone famous in it, right? Who's the person that's um, what's her face? 
the one who plays the ancient one in um strange in doctor strange what's oh, her name yeah 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 um I, i'm gonna look her up right now uh she's... um i always forget her name but she's like like obviously massively famous and really good actress but uh, she why do i keep forgetting her name um, I think it's hard to pronounce her name. She plays in a bunch of movies. She's like in the Narnia movies. Um, she, yeah, yeah. She played recently in that zombie movie that came out last year, The Dead Don't Die. Oh, oh Tilda Swinton. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Tilda Swinton. Yeah. She's. Um, uh, I believe she's in it. But no, I've heard. I've heard it's pretty good. I should check it out because I did enjoy it in the film. I'm not sure how much involvement Taika has in it. Does is he? I think he's a producer on the of... show. Yeah, I think he's a producer. Right. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if he's directing any of them or writing them, but I know he's a pre- producer on the show. Um, but I mean, at least from what others have told me, they say it's just as good as the movie. Very, very clever, very creative. So uh, I'll definitely cool. be checking that out. Okay, so the last movie before I turn it over to you, I don't know why I watched this movie. I saw, I just saw it pop up on uh, on on Netflix, and uh, I ha- I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but it definitely brought back a lot of memories. But it was the Mortal Kombat movie. 1995 oh Mortal man Kombat. that film that film holds um a place in my heart but it's so bad but it's, i enjoy it's it but really it's so bad. bad but it's yes exactly it's it's so enjoyable and 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 again you know you we could talk talk so much about how nostalgia plays a factor in what we think you know of movies and our opinion of movies but um dude just the music alone the the you know because they play the those very iconic um you know, kind of techno, uh, disco style, like music in the fight scenes. But I'm telling you, man, growing up as a kid in the nineties, I listened to that music all the time. So like yeah, man. in the beginning of the movie when, you know, they play like the theme song in the Mortal Kombat movie. And then in the fight scenes between, um, especially, uh, between, um, Liu Kang and Sub-Zero, uh, that one, and then the fight between Liu Kang and Reptile. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. The Liu Kang, I was going to say that the Liu Kang and Reptile fight is is quality yeah it's so good the music <laughs> the music really makes it but for me it's always I, it was always the end for me it's always the the end scene where they play he does the fight but they actually play like the mortal combat music when he fights um what's the main bad guy's name mm. what's his name shoot but it's but they fight like on the dragon symbol at the, at the thing and then like and then lou like hits him it makes him bleed doesn't he at the end of it but like they play the the actual theme tune during that fight scene yes. and it's like this is so cool shang shang sung shang sung yeah. is the main bad guy yeah um no it's super nostalgic man i mean it's a cheesy movie it was the third i think the third ever video game adapted movie so obviously the first one was the super mario brothers and then and then we got um street fighter uh, with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yep. And what I found out too, because I started watching YouTube videos on the, on the about Mortal Kombat, the making of, and I didn't realize, but they had they had asked Jean-Claude Van Damme to do the role as um, Johnny... Uh, Johnny... Johnny... Ha- uh, Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage. Yeah. Um, and, and he turned it down because he, he said he... he it, it, in choosing the, the two, he would prefer to do Street Fighter. Um, but what's funny, I, I think I think Mortal Kombat between those two movies, I think there are more fans of the Mortal Kombat movie than there are Street Fighter. I've seen that Street Fighter movie once, and I I, I couldn't tell you anything that happens in that movie. Yeah, um, no, I'm but, glad. I, I've never I've never been a big Van Damme fan. Appreciate that he's oh really he's got oh some moves, oh but, but uh, see no, no dude, I love his I love his '80s fight movies like uh, Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Dude, those are those are 
classics, man. I love those. <laughs> uh, I've, I've preferred to put Bruce Lee film on myself. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But those those two, especially those two, those two Jean Claude Van Damme movies, Kickboxer and and Bloodsport, man. I I I if those ever ever on TV, I will I'll stop what I'm doing and just watch them, man. They're fun. Um. So, but anyway, so uh, one last thing though. Uh, apparently, um, um, oh shoot, what's his name? The director of Aquaman. Um. Ah. Oh, why am I having such a mind blank on the names today? Dang it. I... Um. Oh God. Aqua... I missed it. Um... Aquaman. Um. Yeah, I know everyone's yelling at us. James Wan. James Wan, sorry. Yeah, of course. So he, it's already, I guess it's been greenlit. And they're in pre-production right now for a reboot of Mortal Kombat. And yeah, James, man. James yeah, Wan I was going to say that. Yeah, I didn't know he was the director. That's good news because he's, he's clearly a fairly decent director. Um, he did the he did my favorite Fast and Furious film, right? Did he if he did Fast and Furious Five? I believe. No, Am I right no, to say it, that? he he did the one that has the highest rated Rotten Tomato score. Um, I think he did seven. I think he did seven. seven. Fast and Furious oh, Seven. Was it Justin Justin Lin? Was Fur- it Justin Lin? He did five. Um, Is that his name? Shoot, I could man. be I could be going mad here. So I, I, you know, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not the most knowledgeable the about the Fast and Furious franchise. I, mean, I, I I go and see the movies, but I actually don't own any of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I heard that, and uh, yeah, I'm down. I down. To be honest, uh, it's one of those things though where it's like it would like I appreciate if they create a new score, it'd be really cool, and um, and I'd be I'd be excited to see what they did for something like that. But I would love it if they just hinted at least to the Mortal Kombat music because it was just so iconic and like. But yeah, I don't know. I, that 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 dude. That's a great question, man. It, it would be. It, it almost would be strange if they don't use at least some similar rendition of the same music, dude. That music, it's iconic. It's a terrible movie, but the music is like it brings back so many memories. They have to figure out how to use it somehow. I'm gonna listen. I'm actually gonna listen to it after we record this. Now. You got me so. You got me so hyped. I think I've got that film on Blu-ray. I think I remember buying it. Like I remember walking into, I was like buying a computer game, and they had like a Blu-ray section in the store, and I saw it there, and I was like, "Oh my god, I was this film in ages, I'm gonna buy it." And then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this film is so it's, bad, I can't uh, believe it." I mean, the the graphics but, uh, are horrendous. Like you know what's funny? I mean, because when when did Jurassic Park come out? Did Jurassic Park come out in '95 as well? I think uh, it, it may have. Either way, yeah, so these was... movies came out within at least a year of each other, but Jurassic Park to this day has it has some of the most incredible computer generated graphics and images ever created because of how they were able to incorporate real life animatronics with the scenes that they needed for CGI. And then you go and look at something dude like like Mortal Kombat and it's it's awful, man. It's awful. Like yeah. people amateurs at home today on their little laptops can make way better stuff than you know entire teams were able to create i mean i know this is 1995 but still now it, it has not aged well but the story is really confusing um the fight choreography is not the greatest um and yeah it's just i mean it's it's a silly movie but dude i, I still i still liked it <laughs> so those, those are my four movies before i get into my other ones but uh i'll go ahead and turn it over to you all right 
Cool. Cheers, man. Um, <laughs> okay, so as uh, Andre clearly say, I've I've been hitting the Marvel films quite hard, but there's two films outside of the uh, the vast amount of Marvel films that I've watched, which I'll I'll throw at you in a moment. So one of them was uh, I actually watched Superman Returns um, not too long ago. So watch okay. and I was watching this, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm glad of this was on because uh, most of my films I watch on like like the movie channels on TV. Um, I like just I like the choice being taken out of my hands sometimes and just things just being on. Are you, are you like that at all or anything where it's just when it comes to wanting to pick something to watch, it's really hard. So I just like having a mo- like the movie channel and going on and, and, and picking out of the, the 10 films they've got live, which Some, one I'm going to watch. Sometimes. I mean, when it's, I mean, when I'm, when I'm trying to sit down and watch a movie with my wife, yeah, we could spend half an hour trying to decide what to watch. Exactly. You know, we're just going through previews and previews, but now we, we actually, we cut the cable uh, some time ago and we, we only just have, you know, we, we don't have cable or satellite or anything. We we just have like, you know, streaming subscriptions. So HBO, right. Netflix, Hulu, and and then obviously like my catalog uh, of of movies on Apple TV and stuff like that. So that's fair. But, but no, I, so that, I get what you mean though. I get what you mean. Is it allows you to watch like random just random stuff like Superman Returns. Like it's it's just one of those films that's I was there about to sit down lunch, popped on what's on the movie channel, and there it is. So so yeah, so I. I wanted to get your view on this film because obviously we speak about Superman a lot. We're big Henry Cavill, Man of Steel fans, and we've we've spoke a lot about Christopher Reeve and stuff. But there's one Superman that kind of always falls to the wayside a little bit, isn't it? And that's uh, Brendan Ralph. Yeah. And his and his film. So let tell me what you think about that film first before I before I put my opinion on it. Well, so it's been it's been too long. I, I feel like I can't give you an honest opinion about it just because it's been so long since I've last seen it. I own the movie though. I actually bought it. Um, uh, last last November on Black Friday here in the U.S. Uh, at Best Buy they had uh, they had like a Blu-ray combination set of the first um, the very first Christopher Reeve Superman, then Superman two, and the uh, the Donner cut, um, and then uh, Superman Returns. Because if if those of you who are listening don't know. The, the Superman Superman Returns that came out in 2006, I think, um, that technically is kind of a reboot of the Christopher Reeves movie. They 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 said this is this is the new sequel to Superman two, because Christopher Reeves did four Superman movies. After Superman two, the next two were not they they did not do well financially nor critically. Um, and this fourth Superman, I, I can't even remember what it's called. Is that the quest? The quest for peace. Yes, it's considered when one he, of the worst superhero movies ever made. It's it's. When it's, he put, when he, are you telling me that you don't like it when he gathers all of the nuclear warheads on planet Earth and puts them into a giant net and throws <laughs> them out to space? Is, are you saying that don't enjoy that scene? <laughs> I mean, I understand what they were going for, but no, those movies aren't good. They're not. They're not good. And it's 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 sad because I mean, you don't you don't want to think that you know, like in any type of way, that Christopher Reeve's legacy as Superman is tarnished because, I mean, he 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 really does embody Superman in in so many different ways. And I think you know, for the first Superman uh, movies, at least color the first color Superman movies ever made um he was he was essentially perfect I think a lot of people would agree with that but but anyway so what I'm getting at is that that this reboot of Superman was it was as it was made to be a continuation from Superman 2 um and then this being kind of the a new 
sequel but it's been it's been far too long it's been far too long and i know this was you know this was warner brothers attempt to 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 start making more superman movies but i know it didn't do well financially and and after one movie they they scrapped any plans of making a sequel um but so tell tell me tell me what you thought tell me what you thought so i remember superman returns like you said i think came out about 2005 which would have made me 13 14 um and i remember really enjoying it as a kid, I remember thinking it was really good. I think I saw it twice, maybe even three times at the cinema. So as a as a young lad at that time, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Then as I grew up and watched it a few times more, I started to not like it. I started to think Superman having the sun felt a little bit stupid. I started to kind of not really enjoy uh brendan rouse performance etc etc um but then one thing that always um held strong with those films though and i know that he's obviously a very controversial actor at the moment so apologies for anyone that doesn't like to hear this but i always thought kevin spacey was a very good lex Luthor in my opinion in those films and i think he's very well casted um he's obviously um plays an evil person very well he does that in a lot of his films and he and he came across very He's very good in in those films, um, and that's something I always quite enjoy. Um, was we watch Superman Returns, we get a very good Lex Luthor there. Um, but there's always something in that film, though. That there's, there's one scene that's always kind of been quite important to me when it comes to Superman, and something that's kind of always summed up Superman for me. And that was, um, do you remember this, the scene where he he uh, takes Lois to fl- he flies around and takes her up into the sky, and he says to Lois that you you wrote an article why the world doesn't need Superman, but every day I hear someone crying out for one. Like, I think for me, like that was just such a really kind of, it's a very, very good scene. Like Brian Singer did a really good job there to kind of capture who Superman is. And like, there's always people out there that need help. And that's why Superman's about. Um, So I got, I got mixed feelings with the film overall, the film quality and story is convoluted and, and quite poor, but it has, it has its moments in it that make me kind of think, Brian Singer did kind of get the character. It just, it just wasn't executed well. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been meaning to go back and watch, um, just kind of have like a, a little, a little Superman movie marathon and watch the first two Christopher Reeve, uh, uh, Superman movies and then watch this one. So I, I've, I, you know, I've owned these movies now for six, seven months now and I still haven't watched them, but, um, I, you got to think that they picked, Brandon Ralph because of how much he looks like Christopher Reeve Superman. Do you think? Yeah. I mean yeah, like I agree. like he really yeah, really really looks. And and it, I I mean and I'm not I don't I don't really I don't know the guy. I don't know his his work history or anything like that. So like like I can't I can't say that he's not a great actor, but I know he really hasn't been in much since. And I don't know if that's because like you step in the role of Superman and you're one of the most iconic characters ever, you know, and, and if the movie doesn't, well, it's like, Oh, what can I do now? You know, as an actor, but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, it, it, I think, went I think on to do, um, Scott Pilgrim, didn't they? Did you ever watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world? No, still, no. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. Uh-huh. Still haven't seen it. No. Fair enough. <laughs> I know I got to watch that one, but, um, I don't know, man. It's really interesting because there's there's a lot of there's there's such a a, a pretty strong divide between 
uh, fans of Christopher Reeve Superman and then Zack Snyder's version of Superman and um, and a lot of people who grew up with Christopher Reeve and I'm one of them I mean I dude I mean some of my first Halloween costumes were Superman like I loved those movies as a kid like Superman was my jam as a kid um, you know and 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 the theme Superman's theme the John Williams theme is so good it's so good and, and so iconic um, but I I appreciate so much more what Zach did with the character. And so but I, it's okay to like both. But there's there's such a strong divide between the two. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I definitely want to go back and watch those movies. But uh, no, I, I think that's cool that you got to see it recently. <laughs> that's cool. And um, the other film that I watched was, was uh, Kick-Ass. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I you were like, yeah, a big fan of that movie. But I love that film. Yeah. I, lo- I love Kick-Ass. Um, I probably don't enjoy it as much now as when I first originally watched it. Again, that came out quite a while ago now. Um, but I still love it. I still love the tone of the film. Um, I think it's very unique and no one's kind of really replicated it well. Even the sequel, which yeah. didn't have Matthew Vaughn as a director, really struggled to capture what Kick-Ass was trying to do um, as a concept. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's brilliant. You, you've seen it, right? Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen it a couple times. It's been a couple years, but I, yeah, I've seen it. Um, man, and Nicholas Cage, dude. Nicholas Cage is excellent in that movie, and it's really sad what's happened to him. And that, I mean, that's an, another podcast for another day. But uh, he's really good. I think that was kind of one of his last big, really prominent roles. I think uh, outside of all these indie movies he's been yeah. doing, but which I I thought that that might have been kind of a bit more of like a comeback thing for him because he was really good in it. The action in it's brilliant. The scene where he's in that um, kind of like warehouse and he takes yeah. out all those guys is really awesome. I just remember seeing that film for the first time and being really wowed by by it. Like seeing this kind of really weird superhero-y film where they don't really have superpowers, but they're kind of doing abnormal things. But those action sequences being so kind of so brutal but and so well choreographed i've never really seen a superhero film like it like you watch like superman and x-men and stuff like that and the fight scenes are like entertaining enough but kick-ass really highlights how badly they're kind of choreographed <laughs> so Zack snyder comes along and does stuff like bat like like his stuff with batman but kick-ass was kind of i think the first real comic book based movie that had extremely well choreographed actions like the fight scenes are brilliant stuff that, and especially with hit girl, with Chloe Grace Moretz, where she's obviously very young in that film doing the stuff that she's doing and the fighting that takes place is, it's really, it's really, really, um, it's really brilliant. I really, I really like well, it. And, and, and it's in many ways, I think, I think kick-ass is, it's almost, um, it almost plays homage to, to, uh, Watchmen. I don't know if you've ever read the Watchmen graphic novel. If you haven't, dude, I, I totally recommend it, man. It's, it is very, very good, but it's, it's essentially, it's regular people that dress up as superheroes and, and, and become vigilantes. Right. And, and it's, and it's this alter identity that they, that they take on, but they, these aren't people with superpowers. They're not people that are incredibly rich, like Batman. These are regular people. And it's kind of the same thing with kick-ass, you know, like, mm. and so I think in the realism of kick-ass, um, th- it's very violent. And the movie's rated R. It's very violent, and, and they don't really hold back on showing you what happens when you engage in combat, you know, with weapons and stuff like that. And and I think in many ways it is very similar to what Zack Snyder does. I, really interesting. I, uh, someone shared this interview with me on um, 
um, it, it, when Watchmen came out, and uh, there was so much commentary about how violent the movie is. I, and you, I was, you've seen the Watchmen movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, it's 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 pretty graphic uh, in terms of its violence because it doesn't it doesn't hold back. And and someone asked Zack Snyder in an interview why 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 is it so violent? I feel like a lot of people are going to be turned off to this movie because of how violent it is. He said, "Well, I'm not I'm not trying to." overplay or be over the top with how much violence there is he said if this was a real scenario and you're engaging in a dark alley fighting people you know someone's gonna get hurt and likely killed you know that that, that's Mm -hmm. what that was what would happen in real life he said he said i think pg-13 movies that portray violence do a disservice to to people and it's all he's like it's almost offensive because now what we do in PG-13 violence and other superhero movies is we've made it okay for kids and we're because we're not going to show what really happens it's oh you throw a punch and this guy's knocked out cold you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. There, there's no there's no repercussion there's no consequence to the violence and and Zach Zach was like I'm going to show true consequence to what happens when you get engage in violence so I'm not I'm not trying to you know I'm not trying to sh- show it violence as this glorious thing because it's not um and i think kick-ass does a great job of that i just remember it being pretty visceral in in how you know those scenes um that you're talking about but oh cool movie man cool movie yeah, I mean, that's, it like, is, that, that's what made you a big a big uh matthew vaughn fan right yeah it was yeah yeah like and then um an x-men first class Oh yeah, he, that's right. He, start, that's right. he started off really well, and then he decided to just ruin his <laughs> career and just focus on uh, just focus on those god awful Kingsman films. But uh, oh each, each to their own. But the one thing as well with Kick Ass is the score by uh, John Murphy. If you're not sure if you remember too much, but the score is so good. Like it's so so good. I, it's it's been used a lot in different things. It was actually originally a score that was. Um, it's very that he did for the film Sunshine, you know, Chris Evans and uh, Killian Murphy. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. No, but it's it's similar music is used in that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of very refreshed for this and, and much better. And it's it's brilliant. It's one of the first kind of films that really got me massively involved in enjoying film scores. So that's definitely one to, to check out if you didn't pay too much attention to it originally. No, that's cool, man. That's cool. I'll definitely have to give, uh, just go back and rewatch that movie and give the the score a list, uh, listen. But um, um, okay. Are, are, do you have any other movies outside of the Marvel ones you've been watching? No. So that's yeah. No. So that's pretty much the, the the just the ones outside of it because I have absolutely gone pretty hardcore on uh, the Marvel <laughs> films since we last since we last spoke. Yeah. Well, you've had so much time, man. You did not go yeah, to work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, th- so, this is what I'll do though. So I'll I'll take over the the watched uh section right now and then i'll hand it back over to you uh to to give you a break for a second so um let me let me bring up the hunger games first so my wife and i we've been we've been choosing um movies that have you know at least a series of movies that we can just kind of do like a mini marathon right so we did our marvel movie marathon and and there's so many movies man there's so many movies it took us weeks to get through right um but within two weeks my wife and i have gone through three different series the first one i will mention is hunger games starring jennifer lawrence um i, I assume you've seen them all have you seen all the hunger yeah, Games? yeah yeah okay yeah 
So I don't know if you've read the books. I read the first Hunger Games book. Um, I, and my, my younger sisters, they, they were of the age that were very appealing. This was like the crowd that these books and movies were catered towards was them when they were kind of younger. So they told me about the book. This was years ago before the movies ever came out. Um, and I read the first book, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care for it so much as to read the next two. Uh, so I never read the next two, but I've seen all the movies and I, I um, recently acquired all the movies as well. And so I was like, Hey, it's been a while since I've seen hunger games. Do you want to watch hunger games? And we watched them all. Okay. So, um, what's, what's interesting. The first hunger games, um, here, let me see if I can pull these up real quick so I can remember the name of the directors. Um, so the first hunger games movie came out in 2012. Um, and is directed by Gary Ross. So Gary Ross, he only directed the first one, okay? But then after that, uh, the next three Hunger Games movies were all directed by... Um, let me see. Sorry, I should have had this before. Francis Lawrence. So Francis Lawrence uh, directed the next three. And I think it's because of how good the second movie was. And, um, and so it's Hunger Games, Hunger Games, Catching Fire is the second one, then Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2. That's kind of funny, man. I, dude, studios, I hate it when they do this, man. They, they, they'll take the last book in a series and drag this thing out as long as they can to make more money. They did it with freaking The Hobbit. The Hobbit should have never been three movies. They did it with, um, the last book of Harry Potter. They had a Part 1, Part 2 movie. So there are eight movies, but seven books. They did it with Hunger Games. There are only three movies, but uh, there are only three books, but four movies. And then they attempted to do it. And I kind of, I'm kind of happy that this happened because I hope it taught the studios a lesson. They attempted to do this with the Divergent series. So there are three Divergent books, but they went to make four movies. Well, the last one, they only did three movies. It was a part one of the last book. It bombed so bad that they canceled production of the fourth one and were never able to finish the movie series. So it's just like, that's what you get. Stop trying to drag these out. There are three books, do three movies, that's it. Either. Twilight did it as well, didn't they? Who? Twilight did Twilight. The oh, Twilight that's right. did yeah, the Twilight Breaking did Dawn two. part one yeah, and two. Exactly. There are three books and they had four movies. That's right. Uh, anyway, anyway, that's a little tangent. But um, the. The Hunger Game movies are decent. They're decent. And um, I wonder, I really wonder what Jennifer Lawrence thinks of those movies now. Um, you know, because she's she's become a fairly established actor in Hollywood. I think, I think she's toward the top of the list for young actors that, you know, are, are kind of on... You know, everybody's watch list for who do you want in your movie. And I'm pretty sure she even won an Oscar, didn't she? I think she won an Oscar yeah, for... Yeah, she, fell, she, she for, fell over up the stairs when she went yeah, to collect was it. Silver, was this for Silver, yeah, Silver Lining? Lining Playbooks. Phenomenal movie. That movie is so great. And I, and and uh, and since you are um, confirming her win, I think she is well-deserving of that movie. But um, obviously the Hunger Game movies are, are a little bit different <laughs> than, uh, you know, something like Silver Linings Playbook. But... Um, they're, they're, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're, they're fun to watch. I think if you haven't seen them for a long time, you know, they have, it's, they have a pretty star studded cast, you know, I mean, Woody Harrelson's in there 
I mean, not that Liam Hemsworth is like a big deal like his brother, um, but you know, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julianne Moore, Donald Sutherland, um, Elizabeth. Yeah, Banks. Philip Seymour Hoffman died, didn't he? Very, he died um, during the creation of the last. He did uh, films. So, so he's in. Of... He's in the first part of the last movie, but then he kind of disappears. They still refer to him throughout the movie, but you never see him until the very yeah, she... end. They show, she reads a letter, right, at they, the end, they leave, because he wasn't there to actually deliver that scene. So, but they they actually, yes, yes, exactly. The, the, so a lot of the a lot of the ending had to be rewritten to to take his character out. But you do see him toward the very end of the movie, but he's digitally created and he doesn't say anything. He has no lines in the scene, and you see him for maybe four or five seconds. Um, and. Yeah, and so yeah, that and it was his very last movie. It was his last movie that he ever made. Tragically, uh, died I think of an overdose. Um, but uh, uh, Stanley Tucci, uh, Jeffrey Wright, who's going to be the new um, uh, Commissioner Gordon um, in the new Batman movies. Josh Hutcherson obviously is one of the main characters as PETA. So I mean, these movies are stacked with well-known, very talented actors. Um, but they're definitely, I mean, these these really these movies really are catered toward the younger crowd, you know? Um, but I was, I was surprised. I, I was surprised at how violent these movies were. I kind of forgot. I mean, I know the whole premise is you, you, you have kids killing each other, you know, as some type of, some type of gladiator spectator event to keep the districts in line, you know, but they're violent, man. These movies are violent, you know, and people are dying in weird ways and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, now what do you think of these movies? Do you like these movies? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're. Um, I think they followed a similar trend to the Twilight. I don't think they're ever as big as the Twilight thing, but in the sense of their kind of quality, I think the first series, the first film, um, like Twilight, had kind of more of a kind of a, like a gritty um, feel to them, right. and then they became yeah. popular and became very Hollywood iced yeah Holly, they put uh, hollywood sprinkles over it in it and the next film there was bigger budget just looks more hollywood where the first film felt a lot more like grittier um and i enjoyed that so it's a, it's a shame when they they lose that that vibe that essentially makes them famous yeah um, and popular but he but no jennifer lawrence for me i think she does a good enough job and i think it's one of the films that really kind of put her on the map as an actress for sure but but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan, and I think I do think her personality, start, as she becomes more famous as those films come out, starts to shine through a little bit more. Maybe it's a subconscious thing of me seeing it because I know how she was outside of etc. She's. Um, I'm not a massive fan of her as, as a person, um, so it's possible that I start to see that in the film. But I just felt like she became bigger, the films became bigger, and they lost. They lost that kind of sparkle that the original film had, in my opinion. But but overall, they're enjoyable films. They're not they're not badly created or anything like that. Just there's some things that I've just I struggle to enjoy as it as it goes on. Yeah, no, and and just kind of going back to what I said, and you reminded me of it about how the the first movie is directed by Gary Ross, and he he directed the first and didn't direct the rest, and then the next director directed the next three. The first movie style is is it just like you said? I think it does have a, a more grittiness to it than the next two the next two feel a lot uh, like a lot more money was poured into these movies and the first one a lot of the um the more um there's a lot of handheld camera scenes and so there's there's a, a, a realness to to the movies that um 
that doesn't exist in the next two. Even though I think the second one, Catching Fire, is the best... Here, hold on, Ryan. Hold on. Okay, sorry. Um, so even though, even though I think the second one, Catching Fire, is the best out of the three... The first one is not close. Uh, it's it's not it's not far behind it. I think it's it's a a really good movie as well. The those final two movies, man, they're they're kind of hard, kind of hard to get through. There's so much happening and so much that's just really. Um, I mean, I guess I understand why they made it into two movies because there's a lot of information to get into. But but yeah, the last two just aren't as good as the first two. Um, but, but yeah, this was kind of in an era of like these, these young adult novels being made into movies, you know, obviously we already mentioned Twilight and then the Divergent series, but there's also like the Maze Runner series, you know, all these yeah. movies that, you know, it's kind of this, uh, uh, post, uh, um, apocalyptic type, type society, you know, society has now been rebuilt, but it's like. It's like an uh, authoritarian society and kids are exploited and kids rise up and, you know, so, you know, Hunger Games, Divergent, the Maze Runner, they're all, they're all very similar in that kind of aspect. But so, yeah, we got through that series and it was, it was fun to watch them again. And, you know, I probably won't watch them again for a while. <laughs> yeah. I've not seen them for a, for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But all right, man. So yeah, that's the Hunger Games. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Cool. Um, so I've um, been focusing a lot on my MCU marathon. Andre, you obviously finished yours um, a few weeks ago now, but um, but yeah, me and my me and my girlfriend have been have been smashing it out, which um, I made you all aware in the last episode. I think the last um, film that we got up to was um, was Iron Man three. We had a decent conversation about Iron Man three. Yeah. Um, so then after that point, we actually reached the um the civil war point last night so watch all the films in between that which consists of um the second thor film uh captain america winter soldier guardians of the galaxy age of ultron wow. ant-man nice civil war so, wow. yeah so we nice. yeah so we so we hit it hard um over the last since our last episode um and obviously we've we've gone over quite a lot of it so but the one thing for me that I really wanted to highlight after watching all these films, um, for me was was a really talk a talking point I wanted to discuss with you was after watching Age of Ultron because that's a film I haven't seen probably in the longest time I've seen a lot of these films um, quite a lot um, during a lot of different periods. But Age of Ultron seems to be a film that I've avoided quite a bit, and after watching it again, um, the subject of the of Hulk comes to mind overall i think it's a character that we haven't spoke about too much in a lot of our marvel conversations and i wanted to repick your brains on on how you feel they handle hulk because after watching age of ultron my feelings towards him are are very much cemented that he is quite easily the worst <laughs> character in the mcu but not even worst in the sense of that like oh he's really like not enjoyable but in a level of disappointment because obviously Hulk is such a massive character in, in pop culture. Like everyone knows in those massive TV series about Hulk, he's a very um, popular character in, in the world. Um, and then within the MCU, for whatever reason, he gets this very vague, very shallow treatment. And I'm wondering, do you agree? Are you, do you agree? Do you have any other different thoughts towards that? Like how do you, how, 
How do you feel about Hulk treatment within MCU? Yeah, and I know, I mean, I know we were going to discuss this, you know, um, on the podcast. And so I started, you know, before we recorded, I was trying to think about, you know, what what were the factors that perhaps um, that influenced how Hulk was presented uh, within the MCU? And obviously, I mean, you're pretty you're pretty vocal about your appreciation, at least of of the Incredible Hulk. Um, you know, and even though, even though I don't think there are a lot of fans of that movie, um, it, I think it's still one of the, the better MCU movies, you know, kind of the early days of the MCU, like with the first Iron Man movie, you know, uh, there it's, it's, it's definitely not riddled with jokes and, and, you know, humor and stuff like that. I think it's a movie that takes itself fairly seriously. Um, you know, and obviously when you think of the different portrayals of Bruce Banner's, you know, with Mark Ruffalo versus, um, um, Edward Norton. Uh, yeah, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Um, you know, they're very different, very different. And I think Edward Norton had even he uh, he really, really w- cared about the Hulk project. And I can't remember the exact reasons on why they made the switch. Um, but anyway, I I honestly think I think the one of the main issues, at least that that Marvel Studios ran into, is that they 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 couldn't make a Hulk movie without allowing universal pictures to distribute the movie. Cause that's, that's, that's the, uh, that's the deal that they had. So the deal, you know, when Marvel studios was selling all of their, uh, film licensing rights for their characters, uh, the deal that they had with universal pictures is very different than what they had with Sony, where Sony, Sony owned the Spider-Man property so they even owned the merchandising rights for Spider-Man. So anything involving Spider-Man um, outside of the comic books was owned by Sony. And 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 to this day, they still do, except that they sold those merchandising rights back to Disney. So Disney can now profit off of merchandise at Spider-Man. And anything related to Spider-Man merchandising goes back to Disney. Um, but they still own the film rights to make the movies and distribute them. So Universal Pictures, they 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 didn't have the film rights to make the movies, but they owned the distribution rights for the movie. So so when Marvel Studios made the movie, the Hulk movie, Universal Pictures is they're they're able to distribute that. So like in especially like if you ever come um if you ever have the chance, Ryan, when you come to the US, if you ever go to Universal Studios, it's you know the kind of the other big uh theme park, you know, that's owned by uh, a movie studio not named disney um you'll see hulk all over the place at universal studios it's because they own they own these rights to use the character how how they like and um and so so because i know marvel they they weren't going to make another movie and not get the money for it you know they're not going to make a movie and, and disney disney's not going to let the distribution rights go to universal and so what they the the deal that they had was Hulk can appear in Avenger movies but he can't he can't have a solo movie without Universal not being able to distribute it. And so because they were not able to to use more Hulk in other solo Hulk movies. I mean Iron Man got 3 movies, Thor got 3 movies, Captain America essentially got 3 movies and Hulk got one. You know Hulk was yeah. one of the original Avengers. Yeah, you know, he's part of the, from the very beginning. Um, I, I think that really kind of, uh, it, it kind of 
it just they painted themselves into a corner with with what they were able to do with Hulk and really not utilizing him well. But anyway, so what I'm getting at is I think that that made that that played a very vital role into how Hulk ended up being utilized within the MCU. Um, but but still, I know I know where your criticisms lie, and I I still agree. How you know he 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 never won. He never won a single battle. He lost against Iron Man. He lost against Thor and Thor Ragnarok. He lost against Thanos. He never won a single battle against anyone who he fought. Yeah. And 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 that kind of that kind of feels cheap to Hulk. I mean, he's supposed to be the strongest Avenger, right? I mean, he's supposed to be at least from my yeah, understanding. Yeah. But anyway, so that's that's my kind of thought, or at least that, interpretation. Yeah, from that, that perspective, yeah, like that's one of my points on the fact that he doesn't win a single fight and he is meant to be this kind of he has his weaknesses in the sense of the fact that he's this big rage monster but when it comes to fighting and strength and stuff he he has kind of that upper hand and that's that's not point of his character he he loses those those cognitive kind of thinking but you replace that with just this unbelievable amount of power and that's what he, he brings to the team um but one of my other kind of gripes is that they, every time like he's in one of the films and obviously it's the Avenger films that he appears and you have these these gaps in between um obviously he's in he's in Thor though as well but these gaps between films which can go on for years there's no explanation he he just he he's very he has something very kind of prominent going in those films but it's all a bit random so you have him in uh, you have him introduced fine into the Avengers first Avengers film fine but then Age of Ultron, it's uh, me and um, me and uh, Black Widow have got this this thing together, and we're going to run away together. And it's like what, like huh, like we didn't like there was no hint to that at all in the first Avengers film, and now you both are going to run away with each other. Like okay, I fine, whatever. That's sure. And then and then he then he disappears, and then he then he's in Thor Ragnarok, and he can talk, and he's cognitive and he's 100% in control of himself as Hulk and he's fine and it's like okay that was right sure I didn't see any real sign of that before but what the last time we saw him he was going ridiculous and shredding up a city and Iron Man had to stop him but fine and then in Infinity War it's I'm not I'm not coming out now and there's no build up to that it's just I don't want to come out I hate humans I'm not going to come out you can't bring me out and there's no explanation for that except from the he like there's no talking to it about it it's just i'm not going to come out i don't want to come out and then in endgame he's obviously professor hulk and, and you never just... you never see how it it even happens oh exactly you don't see how it happens yeah. you don't get a, a true understanding on why he would never come out and help bruce do any of the fighting and so for me it's they 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 add these such these sticks these massive like sticks in the mud at these certain sections that are very prominent to the character but there's no there's no build up to it. And I feel it's such a disservice to the character because when I look at it, I think back, I'm like, there could have been moments where they really could have fleshed out the character. Like in, Infin in Endgame, I think he didn't need to be Professor Hulk for the whole thing. He could have just been Bruce Banner. He didn't do, he was literally Bruce, but giant. He didn't do anything that was Hulk-like. He was just big. And he all. just looked like Hulk, but with right. Bruce. Right. And I was, I was talking to Cy and we were having a conversation, kind of having a bit of a brainstorm of what they could have done with the character. And, it maybe would have been more impactful that if 
when it came to doing the the snap and they worked out that Hulk is the only one powerful to do it, if Bruce and Hulk actually had a moment together and it allowed you to understand Infinity War, why he didn't want to come out and then become one. And you see them become one because Bruce needs Hulk to do this. And you know what I mean? But Hulk has his fears about coming out and you know what I mean? And they come together for a moment because they need him to do the snap. Do you know what I mean? And like to bring everyone back and it could have just rounded off the character and that's for me. It's like there's just so many elements where it's just very, very hollow, and they didn't seem to really want to think about the character too much. They just used him as a bit of a kind of bit of like eye candy, really. And it's a shame because I've always really liked the Hulk, and you say I've I've been a massive fan of the Incredible Hulk film. So, so yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted to really touch on them the most with this. We've discussed you and I have discussed a lot about the Marvel films, um, so we don't need to go over everything. But that was really my main point, and one thing I've kind of really learned a lot. Um, after watching Age of Ultron, really was was just the side how Hulk is being used, but um, but yeah, so yeah, I understand I, that you. I I one hundred percent agree about about what your assessment of Professor Hulk because you know the last time you see uh, Bruce, you know is they're they're all they've been defeated. Thanos won. He did the snap, you know, and Bruce is now with the Avengers. You know, the rest of the Avengers and you know at their headquarters or whatever. Um, and the next, the next time you see him, he's professor Hulk. Like, and he gives this little exposition of, you know, Oh, I, I was able to figure out, you know, how to do it. And, but you're like, what? Like, and then kids are taking pictures with him. And like, I, it just, it, I, I, I was not a fan. I was not a fan. And I was not a fan that we did not get to see. I mean, yeah, you got to see Hulk, you know, fight Thanos for five seconds before he got the crap kicked out of him. But you never saw Hulk fight in Infinity War or Endgame, or Endgame. Yes, he did the snap, but you know, and then you know, all pandemonium breaks loose when Thanos shows up. But like, you, he he doesn't get to fight. I, I yeah. yeah, I I agree, man. I agree. It just very underutilized, and and when they do utilize them, it's just done poorly. I agree. But tell me your tell me your thoughts about uh, Age of Ultron, though. I think it's widely considered the worst Avengers movie out of the four. Um, but I, I enjoyed the movie. What do you think of it? I, f- I think that it's, um, it's a mess. I think it's a messy film. I think it's very, <laughs> we've discussed that it's quite pivotal, pivotal to the MCU. And I think because of that, it's quite messy. There's lots of things about that film. And I just a bit like, like Thor's kind of side story was a bit odd. It was just it was. kind of a bit thrown in it, there. It, it, um, it, it didn't feel that there wasn't enough shown. I feel like this movie could have been three hours and then maybe, maybe uh, it, 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 it seemed poorly edited. It sound it felt like there was a lot cut out of the movie that it didn't end up in the movie. And then you get some of these scenes where like, what the heck is Thor even doing? You know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I still can't, maybe you can explain to me, but I just can't still work out why he deemed it. He kind of deemed it okay to create vision. And then he essentially completed visions, um, creation didn't he and i don't understand how he went from being in that that pool where he had those visions to then going over and going vision is fine to make and he essentially then was the catalyst to to make to vision's creation can you for me i was i tried to watch that and think why is he okay with this i didn't understand it no no well and he you know and he said he said something to the extent of he had this vision and in the vision he saw the stones um 
and that they were I think that they were a way to to stop the the war that was coming and he and so that's why I think he he needed vision he knew he needed vision to be there but but vision vision lasts what three movies I mean he's in Age of Ultron then he's in Civil War and then he dies <laughs> in Infinity yeah. War um no it is it is confusing those those Thor scenes are are a little bit confusing for sure yeah I I can't yeah, add any I, additional explanation to those but overall I like it and I like it as much as the fact that it I enjoy the MCU as a a big combination of films they have some really good individual films I watched Civil War um it was the last film I've watched and that film was generally brilliant uh and so is Winter Soldier they're really good um but I enjoy them more as the big as the big picture and I'm yeah. really enjoying them now watching them as, as the big picture and yeah so if I look and so when I look at Avengers Age of Ultron from that perspective it's good it's got good really good moments of how Tony and and Steve's relationship is kind of um deteriorating a little bit um already they're kind of disagreeing and stuff it's um it starts to refactor in the stones a lot more they become a lot more pivotal um so it it has lots of different like things like that and the band actually build up of the avenger initiative being um a part of it so i like how it plays a big part to the to the overall mcu thing but as a standalone film i don't have any real pull to want to just whack it on because i i enjoy it just it's not it doesn't really make me feel like that yeah and i they never really explained how the maximoff siblings get their powers you know they just said that they were experimented on but um but they were experimented on with the tesseract because that's that's the infinity stone that they had at the time right no it was the no it was the soul stone no 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 it is it's the soul stone but it is because they at the beginning of age of ultron they go in um they go and take the because it's in the scepter, isn't it? It's in Loki's scepter. They have Loki's scepter. Oh well, that's the that's mind the stone. That's the mind stone. Is that the mind stone? Okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's the, sorry, not the soul stone. Yeah, it's the mind stone because that's why um, Vision and um, that's why Vision and um, Scarlet Witch have like that kind of love relationship because they were both made from that. Okay. From that same stone. Okay, so that I guess that that helps a little bit, but still, but still, um, weren't. In Marvel Comics lore, aren't Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch X Men? Aren't they mutants? Yeah, their um, their their dad is Magneto. So, so how how do they even play a factor? Like how I, I just they completely change the origin stories of these characters, these X Men characters, in order to put them into you know the the avengers movies but i just i wonder why they they chose to do it that way or um yeah cause... it was weird it is weird because they kill they kill quicksilver off don't they because yeah he only ex- lasts that movie there. yeah it's fox who are using quicksilver at the same time weren't they so that's but that's how rumor i heard it was so that's the reason why they they, they couldn't show them as mutants they could have them in the movie but they couldn't show them as mutants i guess Exactly, it's mad, isn't it? Like, it's. I think we had this conversation a long time ago, and the reason why they can use them legally is because they were never introduced into the uh, X Men comic books. They were introduced in um, Avengers. Avengers, yeah, they were originally introduced in the Avengers, which so Marvel weird, owned yeah. the rights to the Avengers, but because they were mutants in and Avengers, mutants were introduced as X Men, but mutants were introduced were an X Men thing, right. and X and Fox owned the rights to mutants. They weren't allowed to call them mutants. <sighs> Like, 
<laughs> so there, that's where there was a, a, like, exactly. So you you got to ask the question of Christ. That must have been such a for the for the legal guys. That must have been such a head twist to think. Is it really this important yeah. to get these characters in Jeez, for all this legal yeah. lava? Jeez, yeah. That, anyway, and I so I mean I guess I guess the, what my defenses of the movie. Um, I I like the Tony Stark and Captain America dynamics. Um, I really like the kind of little team up that Bruce and Tony have. You know that they're 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 the scientists. They're the brains of the Avengers. You know, um, and and I like I like Ultron as as a villain. I like that he 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 is the. I mean, even though he is artificial intelligence, his intelligence is a derivative of Tony, and it's Tony's fear come to life i mean ultron is is his fear made manifest and that's why ultron is doing what he's doing because he knows humans are so destructive so what am i going to do i'm going to destroy humans before they destroy the earth and and that's it's all based on tony's fear and so i i think those elements for me really work but um you said uh you watch guardians of the galaxy yeah, lead, yeah. Lead up. What do you think of that movie? Because that's one of my favorite, love, probably top three Marvel movies. Yeah, guys, I lo- I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm I'm not a massive fan of the second one, but the first one's brilliant. I think um, Chris Pratt's brilliant um, in it. I think he he's um, a really good lead for the film. Um, and it's like it's a kind of his real introduction to kind of like Hollywood as well. Oh so he yeah, did a really good job yeah, there. Yeah. Um, yeah. but no, I think it was I think it was really funny. Um, but it but it it works it was i think they did a really good job on something so mental talking trees talking <laughs> raccoon set in space aliens based lead human but the lead is a human like it's so mad but it works so well like it, it is really good the soundtrack i think is a a big factor in making people kind of really enjoy it as well yeah. the um no, I love it. I love it. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant film. Like, what what's your thoughts on it? Oh yeah, like I said, I mean, top, for me, it's the top three favorite Marvel movie. I think it, it's, um, yeah, I, I think I think the the set of characters and the actors that portray the characters, I think they they are so cohesive and have so much chemistry that it it really enhances the the viewing experience of the movie. Um, and it's, it, it really is, man. It's just a really creative movie. I think they utilize humor in the movie a lot better than any of the other Marvel movies have where it doesn't, it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like, no. you know, it, it feels like it's just, it's, it's a part of the DNA of the movie and that's what this movie is. Um, but no, it's, it's really good. It's really good. I, I no, love that's a really good, really good observation. I think that it's one of the films yeah, where it doesn't feel forced because it feels like the the humor is is part of the characters yeah where sometimes when you see like like thor never started off a funny character right he had his funny moments when he was a fish out of water yes like there was funny situations he found himself in because he was a fish out of water in the first film but he has now become the marvel clown like no i like i love him but he has he has become the marvel clown like yeah yeah, but with with that, it's a really good observation that these characters genuinely just feel like funny funny people. Yeah, like Gamora still plays a serious role and she doesn't really give you the laughs, but with like Chris Pratt, um, Star Lord and stuff, like he's a funny guy. He seems like he's a funny guy. Like so, you it feels authentic. And yeah, I get definitely yeah, really really good observation. Yeah, um, no, it's it's a really good movie, dude. When you come and we go to Disneyland, uh, you, you'll be able to ride the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride. I think you'll like it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Cool, man. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, 
No, that's great, man. I, you know, it's 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 fun talking about these movies. There's there's just so many of them. There's so many of them. It's it's yeah. fun to talk about them. But um, do you want to bring up any other movies on your end before uh, we switch back over to me? No, man. Let's 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 finish off the show with um with your hench series. Okay. List. Well, so th- this is what I'm gonna do because we're we're already an, over an hour in. I have two other series. I think I'm gonna save one of these series for next time, and we can just. I'm just gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the Daniel Craig James Bond movies because we got through all four of those. Um, so we'll focus on those, and then we'll wrap up the podcast, and I'll save the other series for for next time. But um, so so yeah, my wife um my wife had never seen, she had never seen Quantum of Solace or Skyfall. Uh, she had seen Casino Royale and Spectre before, and I saw we saw Spectre together in theaters when it came out. But um, so we we watched all four Daniel Craig james bond movies man dude i i love these movies i love them and yes some are some are a lot better than others but but um these are these are they're they're the best james bond movies in my opinion uh they're they are grounded in reality um they're gritty i think daniel craig is a great james bond and i know there was a lot of there was a lot of um criticism for casting daniel craig you know one he he was blonde you know two is you know and i'm not trying to be superficial but is he even you know handsome enough to play james bond you know is he charismatic like you know like pierce brosnan or um you know rich uh um roger moore roger moore um you know and uh but dude i this these, these movies are so good they're so good so i mean and I'll, I'll let you i'll let you have your turn to uh to speak about him because i i know you have your opinions on daniel craig in, in the movies um casino royale for me is the best that movie is it's like a perfect james bond movie oh my gosh man that movie's so good it's so good and unfortunately i feel like because of how good that movie is usually when you're when you come out with such a big bang in a series of movies it's it's always hard to top one that is so good um and and so and after that it you know i I don't think quantum assaults was ever going to be as good as as casino royale because quantum of solace unlike the the other two these are direct sequels like this is happening like right after uh casino royale like they pick up right where he left off they're still talking about vesper you know she she, you know, she still has like a, a deep impact and effect on James Bond and how he's like carrying himself and like going throughout his business and stuff like that. And, um, but uh, so Casino Royale, my favorite of the bunch, Quantum of Solace, I think is overly criticized. I actually really enjoyed that movie. Um, maybe the villain is not as strong as the other movies. I think the villains were a lot better, you know, for um, Casino Royale or Skyfall or Spectre um julian green i think i know that's not it what i need to pick up these movies let me see let me see um something green something green uh daniel craig there he is uh for and i guess that just kind of goes to show for for quantum of solace his it's it's a pretty forgettable villain anyway um dominic green sorry played by matthew almerick um anyway i i enjoy the movie though i think it's 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 a great sequel to a great movie 
Um, really liked uh, the kind of the the other Bond girl. Uh, her name was Camille, played by Olga Kirilenko. Thought she was really good. Um, but no, I, I just I don't know, man. I I really like these movies. Skyfall, freak, man. That movie is great. It's hard. It was kind of hard for me to pick between like which of my favorites because of how good Skyfall is. But but for an overall movie, I think Casino from beginning to end is a better movie. Skyfall, there's a lot of buildup in the first half of the movie. Things really get going quickly after the, in the second half, and I think the ending of Skyfall is phenomenal. Um, but, um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know, man. These are really good movies. I really enjoyed it. But I'll say this about Spectre, and I'll get, let you let you say what you'd like to about uh, these James Bond movies. But Spectre is my least favorite of the four. Um, I know some of the criticism behind that movie is it Daniel Craig kind of seemed checked out. Maybe he wasn't as invested in the character or these movies as he was before. But, um, and it's kind of, it's really interesting, man, because, uh, with Skyfall, which is considered again, one of the better ones, Sam Mendes is the director. Sam Mendes is a quality director. Very good. Um, but Spectre is not nearly the movie that Skyfall is. And he directed both of them. And it was the first time that they had the same director for for two Daniel Craig movies, uh, because the first two had different directors for both of them. But um, what I what I started to notice in Spectre is that a lot of the writing is 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 done pretty poorly, and I think that might that might kind of portray as James Bond or Daniel Craig not maybe not being as invested in the character or the role. But there was some really just cheesy dialogue. In, in some more critical parts of the movie. Um, like, do you remember toward the end when James Bond is captured and they're torturing him? They're like drilling like those tiny little holes like in the side of his head, you know? Do you remember that those mm. scenes? And uh, what, I've only seen the film once, but yeah. Really? Yeah, okay, okay, so well, so what what uh, is supposed to happen is as he's drilling, he's going to drill a part into his brain that that will, I guess, he he will it will make james bond forget anyone that he knows so he won't recognize anybody well the the main girl now that that james bond is trying to rescue you know rushes over to him and she's like are you okay and he like whispers i still recognize you you know just like (laughs) what just like really cheesy stuff man and so and and especially the very final scene where they finally capture the bad guy um and and just the dialogue between them i'm like this is this is supposed to be like a the climax of like this like journey that James Bond has been on through four films. This is it, it, should, it was not written that well, and I guess it kind of shows because it's the the lowest rated uh, uh, Daniel Craig James Bond movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but it's still the the opening scene is very good. The opening scene with him at like uh, El Dia de los Muertos in Mexico City. I thought that whole opening scene was done really well. All practical effects, all real, like this. They had like a stunt, a stunt pilot doing all the like uh, the scenes with the helicopter and like them fighting inside the helicopter. Really cool stuff. Um, but anyway, we watched all four, dude. I really enjoy these movies, and I'm actually excited to to see this fifth and final Daniel Craig James Bond movie. So, um, and for my wife, it was cool a cool experience because she didn't grow up watching any James Bond movies, and so she didn't realize that there is there's there's a, a musician or an artist that's chosen for every movie to do a james bond theme song you know um 
and to do you know to do this intro and that every movie starts off with like a five or ten minute uh um you know intro to the movie but then they have the credits you know and the and the james bond song and and all of that and she didn't understand that so like after we watched the movies uh you know she wanted to go back and like listen to all the songs and who who did these songs you know um anyway it it was fun it was fun kind of teaching her about james bond and like the you know the the mythology of james bond and stuff like that and and i mean dude and james bond has come a long way from the older movies those older movies are fairly sexist (laughs) to say the least um you know but hey i mean that was the time i'm not you know that, that these movies were back in the 60s and 70s obviously you know things in society have changed a lot and and it's reflected in the daniel craig movies even though yes he sleeps with um you know he has one night stands in his movies it's not it's not uh um what do you call it it's it's not nearly as uh upfront or like celebrated as it was in the previous movies that's not really a part of his real identity and character in the daniel craig movies but anyway anyway um what do you think of these movies tell me what you think daniel craig let's hear it I mean, obviously, dude, cool. James James Bond, man, James Bond is a huge figure in in England, right? Yeah, man, James Bond's massive. Like, um, when Sky when Skyfall came out, I think it like broke records here in the UK for kind of like the highest um, grossing film in in the UK um, because it's, we just we we love James Bond. He's obviously um, our mascot for the world, really. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, cool. Daniel Craig is brilliant. He's a brilliant actor, and, and Casino Royale was just the the perfect way to fresh up a franchise. I don't, I think the only uh, one, only better freshing, I would say, better refreshing of a franchise would be um, Christopher Nolan's Batman. Yeah, um, yeah, very similar. Very similar, taking it to a more of a, a real, uh, more adult tones to the film, um, but. But take but that takes nothing away from Casino Royale. It is not only does it freshen up the franchise while it does it with a very high quality film. It it it's brilliant. Mads Mikkelsen is is a brilliant. Oh, Bond villain. dude, he's like, so good, man. He's so good in Casino Royale. He is yeah. really really good. Yeah. And like and what I like about that film is that I remember enjoying it when I first watched it. And again, that came out for a film when I was um, kind of mid teens. Yeah, it's um, it, dude. Two thousand six, kind of, man. Daniel Craig's yeah, been exactly. James Bond for. 14 years i know and i um enjoyed it but probably maybe didn't really fully grasp a lot of the storyline but could still enjoy it for what it was but now rewatching it as i get older and understand things the world and how the world works are better i, I appreciate it even more on how like how depth it is and really understand mads mickelson's character in the situations like he finds himself in um a lot more um i have a lot more understanding for that so i i enjoy it every time i watch it even more but it's not my favorite one my favorite one is is skyfall, skyfall. because i think what yeah. skyfall does is it takes what casino royale did so well but also blend in traditional bond really well well it's it the feels... movie it's the movie that they bring they bring back q they bring yep. back even though you don't you don't know she's money penny you find out at the very end she's Money Penny, you know, but they bring back Money Penny, you know, and yeah. it's the first time that he has like, you know, even though he, it's the little gadget that he gives him is just like a radio, it's like a transistor radio, that's it. Um, but yeah, those those elements return in Skyfall, which they were not a part of the first two. Yeah, exactly. So it's 
so that's why I enjoy it so much because it, I, th- I think Casino Royale is um, stands out a lot more. But from my personal perspective, I enjoy Skyfall because it 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 feels like it's the perfect James Bond movie. Where yeah. Casino Royale is is, is just a, a brilliant it's a brilliant film which so happens to be a James Bond film. Yeah. Where Skyfall feels like it is the best James Bond film made. It captures everything that you require from James Bond and does it perfectly. The villain is amazing. The scene where he comes down the elevator and he's explaining about the capturing the rats and then them eating them eating himself and then there'd only being like two rats left and then you let them out, etc. And they've got a different taste. Right. Like I love that. That scene that have you, when you watch that, did you see how that scene Sam Mendes loves single shots? And I love how he like comes down that elevator and then he just keeps he's explaining as he's walking closer and closer to Bond and the camera only zooms in ever so slightly. Like you yeah. barely even notice that it's zooming, that it's zooming. And just that whole level of detail is just so good. Like he's such a good such a brilliant villain. Um, Javier Bardem just has that Bond weirdness to him in general. And he portrays yep. he 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 portrays it so well. So yeah, massive fan. I would definitely agree with you on the Spectre front as well. I think um, Spectre has that vibe that Daniel Craig just isn't really massively interested. Um, he's, I don't know why um, he wasn't, I think, because now he's doing another one. So I don't understand why he gives off that vibe if he's now going to do another one. Maybe <laughs> when he talks, I don't I'm, know. I'm telling you, man, Go if you go back, go back and watch because, I mean, Sam Mendes directed both. He did both Skyfall and Spectre. It, Skyfall is such a far superior film. And just the, the story, the plot, and the dialogue of the movie, it's just so much better. And and so, I mean, yeah, re- rewatch it. Uh, I guess, you know, if you ever have some time here coming up uh, um, and let me know. Because that's, that's what I noticed. I just noticed, like... It, it's, just, it's just not as good of a movie. It's just not uh, written as well. The story isn't as cohesive, um, but no, I, no, yeah, it's, it's weird, dude. Javier Bardem and I, I wanted to mention this since you brought him up, dude. Oh, I think I think he's the best villain out of the four Daniel Craig movies because of how personal his vendetta is. Because it all ties back. I mean, he's he's like a brother in arms. He was an MI six agent, you know, and it's it's his vendetta against M, you know, that he's on this mission to. To, he he views M as the cause of his pain. He's gonna remove that pain by removing her. I mean, it's so good, dude. Javier Bardem is so good. He's so good. It's yeah, fun. he is really good, and he 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 really made like that traditional Bond villain really well. I I don't think Christoph Waltz was particularly amazing in my opinion. I think Inspector. That was, he, yeah, I think yeah. he had a lot of hype, and because he's such a fantastic actor, and he yeah. plays that villain role in Inglorious Bastards so well. I think maybe potentially he suffered from a little bit of the hype around him where I don't think there was that much around that as much for Javier Bardem. Um, but, but nah, Spectre for me is definitely the worst film. I enjoy Quantum of Solace as it is. I think Bond, I think Daniel Craig still got that enthusiasm, which he brings to the role. Um, there's some really cool scenes in it. I really like the scene where they're in the, um, the opera and he like hacks into their um oh, into their chat so and good, then like yeah. interrupts it and i'm like that yeah. is so bond that is yeah. just such it like it couldn't be any more bond and that's and that's the thing where specter just loses that that bond vibe yeah in um in skyfall that it's like the, my favorite moment for like all of the films which just is a hint of detail that just goes that's bond is you know when the train um 
when the back of the train falls off and then he jumps it jumps down into the oh, train yeah. and, then, mm-hmm. like, and then he does then he then he like sorts out his like his cuff yeah like, he lands and then like sorts out his suit jacket and then yep. keeps walking and you just yep. like that's bond yes that is bond yes you don't no other character does that you watch um even hunt in mission impossible right. jason bourne all these people they didn't give a crap about how they look they didn't give a crap about how they look but james bond he literally does. just yeah. almost fell off <laughs> the back of a train <laughs> and the first thing is he does is he literally like you know what i mean suits make sure his his sleeves not tucked in yeah. and he just like bond amazing i love attention to detail like it tells yep. it tells you that the director get to the character also and, and, that, so. and you brought this up because i i did want to mention this regarding quantum of solace and the attention to detail that that this director mark forster so mark forster he's the director of uh world war z if uh if you're familiar with that movie obviously um but there's a scene and so one of there's uh there's a uh mi6 she's not an agent but she's she's some she's um oh i forget what her role is but her her name in the movie is Strawberry Fields. She's played by the British actress uh, Gemma um, Arterton. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one that's kind of his kind of tour guide esque kind of person. Prince of Persia, Clash of the Titans. Those are some of the movies yeah. that she's played in, right? So she, yep. but she kind of has. I, I'm pretty sure it's a wig, but it, she has red hair that kind of comes to her shoulders in the movie. She ends up sleeping with James Bond, you know. Um, but uh, spoiler: if you guys haven't seen this movie, but it's kind of old 2008 uh they kill her um and they do it by they drown her in oil and then they lay her on the bed and so she's face down on the bed covered in black oil and if if you don't remember but that that is a callback to goldfinger and the iconic scene of the girl on the bed laying on the bed face down covered in gold and which is how they killed her as well um but I, I saw that and my wife though, my wife pointed that out because after we watched Casino Royale, we started watching just kind of previews of other ones and like looking back at other old movies and she's never seen Goldfinger um, or any of those older ones. But uh, when she when we watched it, she's like, hey, that looks like Goldfinger. I'm like, oh my gosh, it is. And so I start looking like behind the scenes and kind of the special features and, and, and Mark Forster, he says he wanted to pay like a little tribute to some of the older films and so he wasn't going to replicate it but it's exactly like how goldfinger is but instead of gold it's oil uh they just attention to detail and sorry it was the expense yeah, of this, yeah that's cool the expense of this one character you know hate that she had to die but uh <laughs> lots of people die in the bond movies but anyway <laughs> um so all right okay well tell me this are you excited for the fifth one coming out you looking forward to it yeah man as long as uh daniel craig has his level of enthusiasm back, which I hope he does now that he's decided to return. Cause I think he was able to leave if he, he wanted. Um, I am. The only thing is the trailers didn't blow me away too much. I felt like I've seen it before and I, and I was looking forward to getting a new James Bond, whether it be Idris Elba, Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hardy, whatever. Like I was looking forward to it being refreshed. We're used to him being Charlie refreshed. Hunnam. Oh God. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I was looking forward to it being refreshed. So I, there was a part of me going, oh, Craig's coming back. I, I don't want another repeat of of, um, of Spectre. Yeah. But I do like him a lot. He's a good actor. If he's enthusiastic about it enough, then yeah, what, then what? There's nothing for me to not like about it and be excited for. 
I hope so. I hope so as well. And and I think you know, because he knows officially there is no more negotiating. This is your last one. And yeah, hopefully, you know, his his interest and his you know, his care for the character uh you know, has returned uh, if it ever did leave. But I'm just looking at the director. Um I don't even know if I can pronounce his name. Kerry Joji Fukunaga is the director of No Time to Die. Obviously, No Time to Die was supposed to come out actually this month, April, um, but due to coronavirus, it's been postponed. I think it's now November of 2020. So we're yeah, still scheduled right. to get it this year. Um, hopefully, it, it does not get pushed back anymore. Um, I'm just looking at his his director credits. I don't... Beasts of No Nation. I, I haven't seen this movie, but I know a lot of people talk about it. It's a Netflix original. Came out in 2015. Um, that's the only one that I that I honestly recognize on here. So, up and coming director. Maybe you know we'll get some newness or freshness to this. But um, all right, man. That's that's all I have. That's all I have. Anything else you want to say about the Daniel Craig James Bond movies? No, no. I think we've we've covered it, man. Good. Okay. Well, yeah. No, okay. Well, let's do this. Out of those four movies, what is your favorite James Bond song out of those four? Oh, easy. This is so easy. Chris Cornell, you know my name. It's my favorite Bond song, song by far. Really? For Casino Royale. Yeah, that song's amazing. More I than love it. I love Chris Cornell. Oh, I like the Adele version. I like Adele's um, uh, song, um, Skyfall, but... Uh, wow. No, Chris Cornell. I'm a massive Chris Cornell fan. I've, I've enjoyed Chris Cornell before. He even did that, like Audio Slave and stuff. Uh, but no, I love it. I think it. I think it's it suits this film so well because it's such a very kind of very different Bond track. Is um, so it suits like that. that it's, yeah, that, it's like uh, rock, refreshing vibe. Yeah, yeah it yeah. really is. That refreshing vibe they're going for. I think that song really captures that quite well. No, that's cool, man. No, I. It, it, it's it's a very good song, and I feel like I, I mean I think they do have a pretty good mix of male to female artist ratios within the movies because with within the four that Chris Cornell did Casino Royale, Alicia Keys, which in my opinion is not a good one. My goodness, that Quantum of Solace song with Alicia Keys, I, I, it's my least favorite of the four of the Daniel Craig movies. I don't know what happened with that song, and Alicia Keys is such a talented musician. And and Jack White, then you got to kind of leave out Jack White. He's in that as well. Oh, White Stripe. That... Gosh, it's 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 I, I do not like the song. I really don't. Skyfall, I think, would be my favorite of the four. Adele, I mean, she won a freaking Oscar for it. You know, really good. It's a good track. It is a really good track. They use I like what I like about that song is they um, use a lot of like the traditional kind of Bond score yeah. in that music. Yeah, um, you really hear a lot of the music that's played in the background of the films um, a lot, which I really enjoy. Well, okay. Last question then. What about Sam Smith's Writing on the Wall for Spectre? Do you like it? I think it's uh, the worst Bond. Really? Oh. <laughs> like I remember him. I remember on the radio when he came out over here, and he was like bragged about how that like he was able to like write it in like 30, 30 minutes. And I was just like, I remember just thinking to myself, "Yeah, man, I can tell it took you thirty minutes to write it." <laughs> Oh, that's funny, man. I I I, th- I thought as I thought it's good. I thought it was good. I'll have to go back and listen to it. I'm actually I just I just found on my phone, um, on Apple Music. There's a a James Bond Essentials. It doesn't have every James Bond song, um, but it has. I think it has 
almost all of them on here, but uh, I'll have to go back and listen to it. But okay, okay. Now, officially, last question: What do you think about the Billie Eilish uh, "No Time to Die"? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I think it's better than Sam Smith's. Um, yes, yes, I can. And agree. Yeah, I better agree. than Alicia Keys' one. Definitely. So I think it's <laughs> middle of the road. No, I, so we we were. Uh, I listened to it for the first time actually. Um, actually, no, I, I think I heard it before when it first came out. But uh, my wife and I we listened to it just a couple days ago because I she's a big Billie Eilish fan. But I, since we had seen the James Bond movies, I wanted to get her opinion on on the song and uh, and she said she liked it. She she still thinks uh, I think Skyfall was her favorite as well for the Daniel Craig ones. But um, um, the build up, uh, the build up is a little slow and you know. Billy Eilish's style and singing is a little, yeah, you know, it's it's a little soft, a little quiet, but the dude, yeah, yeah. The, the second half of the song, man, it's very Bond esque. I, I liked it. Have I you watched? Good. Um, I spe- have you watched the uh, do? I go on YouTube and watched live at the Brit Awards because uh, she's with Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer composes an orchestra behind her instead. For No Time to Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone YouTube. No. Type in Billy Eilish, um, No Time to Die, Brit Awards. And I'll, she sang I'll it live it with, with, with Hans Zimmer with like a full orchestra in the background and, and Zimmer's there um, on there and stuff playing the piano. And oh, that. that's it's, cool. It's that's good, cool. Good and I, I mean, that's another thing that we didn't mention about No Time to Die. I'm definitely looking forward to Hans Zimmer's score on that one. I think that would be brilliant. Be yeah, really man. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. true, actually. I forgot about that. He's, he, he is the man. Yeah. All right. Okay, everyone. That is today's episode. Ryan, dude, we got through a lot of movies today, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh just about an hour and a half of movie discussion but no that was fun dude it was fun for uh, however many people are actually going to download today's episode everyone who's listening thank you thank you for tuning in thank you for listening to today's backseat directors episode uh ryan thank you for joining me why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know as always how they can reach out to you or get a hold of you online if they want to follow you yep as always i'm uh, ryan from lifeoffilms.com um if you ever want to kind of catch Catch me in Chats Films, then you can speak to me over on my Twitter um, or message me via the site. All my contact stuff's on there. And yeah, pop over, have a read, and let me know what you think. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much. And again, listeners, thank you. Hope everyone is safe and healthy. We're coming up on the end of coronavirus. It's happening, whether you're in the United States or in the UK or wherever you're listening to this. Uh, just stay safe. And, um, and yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. The Backseat Director's theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Director's podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next stop, concession stand, Goomba's popcorn, part of the plan, soda pop, and now we go to door number one to catch the show, we find our seats, uh-huh. the perfect road, why, it's the perfect day for a movie, let's go see a show, yeah. let's go to the movies, and see a show. Sci-fi and westerns and
classics, documentaries, uh, so many options, so much variety. There's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me. Uh, so find your seat in the perfect row. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone. 